time, weather, and... This is Lockdown Loud. Thanks for downloading Lockdown Land, the podcast that's here to keep you busy. Uh, In this episode, I'm talking to TV critic Rob Buckley from The Medium Is Not Enough about TV box sets that we must watch over the next few weeks. But before we get started, just want to quickly ask for your support. Now, if you enjoy this episode, please share it on social media. That would be fantastic. You can also subscribe for free on your favourite podcast app as well. And if you really, really enjoy this episode, you can buy me a coffee on the website. It's lockdownland.com, lockdownland.com. You'll find all the social media bits and bobs there as well. And at the top of the page, there's that little link which says, buy me a coffee, lockdownland.com. Right, so I had a chat with Rob. He's a TV critic, runs the blog The Medium Is Not Enough, which you can find at tmine.tv. That's tmine.tv. Or just search Google for The Medium Is Not Enough. It's a great website. Uh, All sorts of uh, box set reviews, TV reviews, uh, trailers, all sorts of uh, stuff on there. Really, you can get lost in it for hours and hours, to be honest. And the challenge I set Rob was to find us some box sets within the genres of action-adventure, fantasy-adventure, comedy, thriller, scary horror, and a pandemic box set. Oh, yeah. So the first question, the first thing I asked Rob was, what's your choice for action-adventure? Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. I mean, there's obviously a lot of action and adventure shows on a lot of streaming services. And what we really need is something that's a bit like holiday reading. So I decided for Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, which is available on Amazon, because Tom Clancy is the ultimate holiday reading. You've probably seen Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan in many forms on on the movie the movies. He's been played by Harrison Ford, he's been played by Alec Baldwin, he's been played by Ben Affleck. Uh, Chris Pine, I think, was the latest one at the movies. But this is actually John Krasinski from the US version of The Office. If you've ever seen The Office, if you know the Martin Freeman character, he played the American version of him. But this is kind of, again, another origin story for Jack Ryan. So it's how he starts off from being a lonely, a lowly CIA analyst and then using his amazing powers of economics, he discovers there's this terrorist plot. And then he gets paired up with Wendell Pierce, who most people know from either The Wire or Suits. And together they actually go into the field. And the first one's set in the Middle East and the second one is set in... South America, supposed to be Venezuela, it's actually Colombia, it's very obviously Colombia, but don't you be worrying too much about that. <laughs> I, I, I watched this myself and I actually thought it was really good. I was, I was kind of expecting to just be watching like a Jason Statham movie with lots of running, jumping, shooting, explosions and that's about it. But there was actually a little bit of a story going on as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of smart, stupid TV. It's... You know, it's like he's the hero and showing off American prowess. I mean, it's the thing about all of the TV and film adaptations of the Tom Clancy books is they're a lot smarter than the books actually are. The books are really jingoistic. I mean, you have like the one where in the book, it's actually Tom uh, Jack Ryan saves Prince Charles from being killed by terrorists and then... <laughs> being invited round to tea and then lecturing him how to be a man. But you get lines like, oh, I'm going to send the SAS in. Oh, yes, the SAS, they're almost as good as our Marines. <laughs> and it's like, really? Okay. <laughs> and so all the, the movies have gone, oh, we're not quite sure about this. So the TV series are actually very good. I mean, they're never, 
the best TV show. You're not sitting there thinking you're watching the next season of Homecoming or anything like that. They're always a little bit, you know, chewing gummy and you work your way through and it's like, yeah, that was quite fun. You know, you can't really necessarily say, oh yeah, that, those were the best bits and there's not much that sticks with you. But it is, while you're watching it, it is marvellously fun and escapist and exciting and thrilling. So Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, where can we watch that? You can watch that if you have an Amazon Prime membership, right. it's free, but it's on Amazon Prime. Right. Let's move on to fantasy adventure. There's plenty of this on TV at the moment, isn't there? So what have you chosen? Oh, you, you've not chosen Game of Thrones. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's the obvious one. So I'm going to actually flag up Travelers, which possibly isn't something most people will have watched. It's Canadian, for one thing, and it stars Will from Will and Grace, Eric McCormick, who played Will in Will and Grace. And the general idea is it's, it's quite a, a sci-fi-ish idea, is that... In the future, terrible things have happened. You know, meteorites have struck the earth and caused everyone to have this massive, there's a holocaust, everyone's stuck underground. And basically they work out a way to send people back in time, but only their minds. And the minds end up in bodies of people in the past. And so they send them back in order to stop these terrible events happening which is all very nice. There's a slight twist in that for ethical reasons, they only send them back into the, into the bodies of people who are about to die. And they know when and where exactly those people died um, from looking at all the digital archives of things. So we've all got phones, so if we've all got phones with GPS, and so they know exactly where it is, which doesn't make a lot of sense at first. But <laughs> just, bear with me, bear with me. Kind of because, like your, fit, your Fitbit stops recording your heartbeat and, and that's the moment. Yeah, that's exactly it. They know it. So it's you know, every time someone comes back in time, it's it, there's a little countdown that comes up saying recorded time of death in 39 seconds, 38 seconds, and so on. And they get beamed in. So they basically take over other people's lives. So it's more like a sleeper agent spy show at first, where various characters take over the bodies of existing people. The trouble is they don't know enough about the people they've taken over. So... All they've got is social media profiles and things like that. So they don't have a really good story. So they have to kind of fit their way in. And sometimes the stories are really off. So one of the first people leaps back into what they think is a really smart person. But it turns out it's someone with learning disabilities who was working through a profile with her social worker and about her fantasy life. And so suddenly you've got this person who had learning disabilities that suddenly is really smart and knows... Uh, is a, a fully trained doctor and things like that so it's how do people react to that um so it, it's mostly actually human interest stories it's like they do go off on missions and pretty soon they are actually changing the future so you also get in quite sci-fi hard sci-fi ideas it's like okay so we've gone back into the past to change the future so the future's now changed so uh, who's giving us the orders now? Is it the same people or is it different people? And do we still agree with what they're doing and things like that? At the same time, it's kind of a spy show because they're all sitting there trying to not reveal what's going on to the authorities. They have to kind of work like sleeper cells together without being picked up. And uh, it gets really quite interesting and complicated as they play more with the ideas. So it's like, since you're beaming back minds, could you beam it back again to another person? And would it be a version that didn't have the memories of the, it's kind of, it works at a lot of levels, but it's also really fun as well. I mean, it's Will from Will and Grace as the lead. They didn't pick him for his ability to um, um, 
bunch people in the face. I must admit this is a new one on me. I'd never actually heard of this one before, so I'm going to dig this one out. Where can we watch Travellers? That is all available on Netflix. Right, let's move on to comedy. What's going to make us laugh? Ah, well, there is a lot of comedy right now. I mean, even on Now TV, Sky has launched a dedicated Sky comedy channel, so there's huge amounts of comedy out there. So I'm going to flag up a couple and then plump on one you definitely should watch. So out of left field, I'm going to suggest great news. If you've ever watched 30 Rock, the Tina Fey show, um, yeah. and, you, and you regretted the fact it got cancelled, great news is a good replacement since it's produced by Tina Fey. It's written by the one of the star writers of 30 Rock. It's, uh, it's basically 30 Rock with the serial numbers filed off. So that's worth a watch. It's a lot funnier than you're expecting. And it's most people will have totally ignored it. That's on Netflix. Also coming to Netflix, just come to Netflix, it's been around for a while, is Community, which is one of the smartest comedies of the past decade. It's launched lots of careers. If you know Danny Glover, um, he's a childish bambino. Um, He was Lando Calrissian in the recent Star Wars solo movie. Um, Yeah, so there's lots of people in there. It's actually got Chevy Chase was one of the main stars and uh, Ken Jeong, who pops up. It's really a surprisingly influential comedy show. It's, it's, the idea is it's set in a community college and a load of losers who need to study Spanish in their spare time. It's like adult evening classes in UK terms, but they come together. But it's kind of deconstructing comedy TV. There, so there are whole episodes that are riffing on other things. There's one episode where everyone sits down, oh my God, it's a bottle episode, where bottle episode is where they've run out of money. So they just film everything on one set. And lots of things in it have gone on to influence other things. So there's one episode where they're playing a role-playing game at home and in kind of a groundhog day, they show what would happen at each point if they'd rolled a one, a two, a three, four, five, and a six. And the six is like, the, I think the five is the darkest timeline where, you know, civilization ends and everyone dies and it's horrible. And now there's so many shows that talk about the darkest timeline. And that actually launched the directing careers of the Russo brothers. There's one episode that's the, the, they used to have a paintball episode every season and the Russo brothers directed one of those. And right. Marvel, the film producers, said, oh, they look interesting. Let's get those guys to direct Captain America Winter Soldier. And they went on to do Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. And so if you look at those movies, you'll notice half the cast of Community do cameos in it. Um, so that's really worth the watch. But I think the one I want to really highlight is actually a very new show on a very new service, which is Apple TV+. Plus. You may not know if you've got it. You may already have it without knowing it. It's available on pretty much everything except Android. So whether you've got an Amazon Fire, an Apple device, a Roku, you'll probably be able to get Apple TV+. And you'll be able to watch Mythic Quest, Raven's Banquet. Right. Which now, is... I haven't heard of this, but it sounds <laughs> very interesting. It's, it's really funny. I mean, it's from the guys who made It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is not necessarily that well-known a show in the UK, but has lasted 15 seasons, I think, in the US now. And you can tell it's a bit of a cut above the rest by the fact it's got F. Murray Abraham, the Amadeus Oscar winner, among the cast. And it's a kind of cross between really crude, vulgar comedy that you get in It's Always Sunny and 
really smart comedy all set behind the scenes of a games developer. So Mythic Quest is their massive game that they've had running online and they're launching a new branch of it called Raven's Banquet. So it's all about the various aspects that go into making a game. So you have the lead, which is Rob McElhenney, who is from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's the guy, he's the writer, so he has the vision. Then you've got F. Murray Abraham, who writes all the storylines. You've got various other people who are the developers. Flashing back to community again, Danny Pudi, who was in that. He's in this as the guy who's basically the heart of evil. He is the one who tries to make money from the game. And again, community's influence plays here because one of the lead writers on this is also from community. So it also deconstructs episodes. So you have episodes where there's a YouTube blogger one of the things about games is YouTube bloggers are in fact really influential. There's a narrative going on, a real world narrative in those terms, where the YouTube blogger turns out to be the son of Rob McElhenney. And so the whole thing is being analysed by F. Murray Abraham. Ooh, I'm not sure about this scripting and so on, things like that. So it, it does have that meta quality to it. But it's actually just really funny. It's, it's really smart and it actually addresses issues such as sexism in the games industry, um, the imp how people react to women uh, working within the industry. It does make serious points while at the same time making lots of jokes about penises. <laughs> so run through the three, the three comedy choices. When was the first one again and where did we find it? The first one was great news. There's two seasons of that and that is available on Netflix. Community is also available on Netflix. That's just arrived. That is five seasons and hopefully a movie, as they kept saying. And Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet, which is available on Apple TV+. Plus. Right. Comic book style. There's been a few of these recently. And I Ooh. have to say, the, the geeky side of me has watched them all. So what, what have you... Really, you've watched them all. That is amazing. I don't think even I have watched them all. <laughs> there is just so many. You cannot well, move for comic that, book stuff. Well, that said, the first one that you've actually picked, I, I, I haven't watched. If, you, if you're a big comic book fan, you will have seen the Netflix Marvel one. So there's no point in me saying, go and seek that one out, because it's there, you'll have seen it. So I'm going to flag up Happy, which you may not have seen, I'm which not. is available on Netflix. So there is a very famous comic book artist, uh, writer rather, called Grant Morrison, Scottish, and he became very famous in the 90s because he was part of the whole British wave invasion of comic books along with Alan Moore. He's best known from actually his work on Doom Patrol. But one thing that Grant Morrison did later after that is Happy, which is all about a really down-on-his-luck police officer. He's a detective, but he saw terrible things and basically became a drunkard, alcoholic, took drugs, became a hitman, professional hitman for hire. And so his life is basically rubbish and he's really unhealthy. And at one point when he's out on a job, he has a heart attack. When he's revived back in the ambulance, suddenly he can see a small flying blue unicorn. Or maybe it's a donkey, or maybe it's a horse. But it's there, and it's actually his daughter's imaginary friend. He can now see his daughter's imaginary friend. He's not actually seen his daughter in years, but she has been kidnapped by Santa Claus, also <laughs> pretending to be Santa Claus. And so he has to, with the help of the happy, the horse of horse, a horse of course, voiced by Patton Oswald find his daughter and it's from the producer of Crank that lovely Jason Statham movie so there is a 
fair degree of ultraviolence to the show. Comic book, uh, yet at the same time, really unpleasant. But at the same, over the course of the first season, it's got this very strange Toy Story vibe underlying it as well, because Happy is obviously a lovely, fluffy donkey type creature that flies along as a horse and sings a song. And all he knows is basically what he's learned from an eight year old child. So he's got this beautiful spirit and heart, and but he's with a professional hitman who takes drugs and kills people. And over the course of the season, he gradually loses his sense of self. And then he comes across other imaginary friends who have been abandoned by their childhood friends and you know, joins a support group and things like that. And so there is this kind of idea of these lost toys. These are kind of the spirits of lost toys rather than really imaginary friends, if you see what I mean. Yeah. It's that you're actually weeping buckets over these lovely little creatures who are trying to help out children, while at the same time you're watching a man impaling people in the head with spikes and things like that. And so where do we find Happy? That, again, is another Netflix show. Right. There are two seasons of it. What was the second choice you had in comic books? Um, like the other one. choice just a quick run through is the boys yeah, which is i like this i really enjoyed this when i watched it uh yeah i mean it, it's it's great it starts off you think it's going to just be it's a it's a superhero tale but it's not superheroes you've you'll ever seen because they're entirely made up for this but they are all thinly veiled versions of dc comic book characters so you've got a version of superman a version of wonder woman a version of the flash they all just have different names and the idea here is that superheroes are like celebrities so a lot of them are in it for the money they want endorsements and sponsorship and it starts off being like that just kind of what if you know, superheroes were real dicks who were just in it for the money yeah. then it becomes a bit more interesting in terms of what it's saying after that it's kind of okay so imagine that all the superheroes are all american for some reason like most comic book superheroes are yeah would that mean that people would start to believe this was God's work, that superheroes were sent by God because America is unique and blessed under God. So um, it starts to work with that. And then it's like, okay, well, if the superheroes now depend on corporate sponsorship, are they going to not do the things they were supposed to do because they're going to lose branding? Will they bite the hand that feeds them? So there is one particular scene where you see Superman and Wonder Woman fly onto a plane and they realise that they can't actually save everyone's lives because the plane is going to crash. There's nothing they can do to save everyone. So Wonder Woman's going, OK, well, let's, we can rescue them, 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 and then. And then the Superman character says, yeah, but they'll be able to tell everyone we didn't save the day. So well, let's leave them on the plane and let the plane crash because then no one will tell the tale and our reputation will be intact and we'll still get lots of lovely money from the companies. So it, it does kind of do that, you know, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. So where do we find um, the boys? Uh, that is an Amazon Prime original, so you can only find it on Amazon Prime, although I suspect it's probably being released on DVD by now as well. Right, let's move on to thrillers. What's going to... Good thriller. Okay. So I thought just for once, let's do a foreign language show. This is the Bureau, Le Bureau de Légende, 
as it's known in France, which is probably the best TV show France has ever produced. And I've seen this and it's really good. It's astonishing. It's based on real stories from actual espionage agents reporting back. And it's probably the first spy show that really understands both the Jean Le Carré kind of style of realistic spying, but also modern spying. I mean, one of the, if you ever watched The Night Manager in on BBC, yeah. um, one of the things that was obvious about that was it was written in the 80s where people are sending faxes around and things like that. Yeah. It's like, did you not bother updating it for the year 2019 or whatever? Whereas the Bureau here knows that there are such things as mobile phones and how to use mobile phones properly. So there are scenes where they're trying to work out where something might be happening. So they monitor where the mobile phone signals are coming from and then model that so they can work out what's going on there. And by the time you get into the fourth season, it's actually addressing Russian cyber crimes and you know, mentioning, you know, offhandedly Russian collusion in the Brexit referendum vote and in American elections and things like that. So it, it's very much a, a realistic look at spying. And it's it kind of it's it's got a slightly weird structure in that there's a, a kind of ensemble cast and there's usually two plots per season that never really actually meet up. It's ostensibly about one of their top operatives, uh, Malatru, for reasons best known to them. They're all named after the characters in the Tintin novels. Right. Um, but only the French Tintin. We, we don't get it, so it's not... No, I didn't get that, that. no. Um, and he's been based in Syria. He comes back to Paris after a while, basically, after his cover's blown. But his girlfriend, who we met there, comes to Paris as well. And he's basically trying to save her for most of the first season. And half of it's in flashback, where you're getting him being interrogated by his own side about... Uh, seemingly his own side, you're not quite sure about what's been going on, what he's been up to in Paris. And so a lot of it is that spy realism. So it's like, what's he been doing? While at the same time, there's also something going on in Algeria and they suspect that one of their operatives has been taken, but he might be a double agent. And that kind of plot that would last one episode in Homecoming or 24 or something like that is played out over the scene because you know, it's like, well, are we sure we don't want to lose this guy? But at the same time, if he is on the bad, on the bad guy's side, then maybe we do want to lose him, but how will we find out? Um, at the same time, they're training up uh, another operative to go undercover overseas. And that's kind of that weird plot line that doesn't marry up with anything else, but then suddenly it does in the fourth season. So there's such a lot of intricacy to it. But you, know, you, you get scenes where he's learning how to, to be able to fight. So you get all the usual spice. Look, here he is kickboxing away and look, he can take anyone down. But then his instructor will say to him, yeah, that's all very well, but you're supposed to be a history professor. If you can beat the crap out of anyone that comes at you, they're, no, they're going to know you are not a regular history professor. So now I'm going to teach you how to get a severe kicking without dying. You, so that although you can do this, I want you to basically lie on the floor and have your head kicked in instead. Yeah, now I would definitely recommend it as well. I've, I've watched it and I really enjoyed it an awful lot. And w where can we find the Bureau? That's slightly harder to find. It is all on Amazon. The first two seasons are on Amazon. But after that, it's... Sundance Now, which is available as an Amazon channel or as a separate app or channel on Roku. 
that's a separate subscription, so you need to pay for that. So that's seasons three and four. Season five got acquired by Sundance Now, I think last month, but it's still airing in France. So I think they're waiting for it to finish before it becomes available. Right. So we want to be scared. We want a nice horror type style TV series. What do we what do we watch? We are going to watch The Haunting of Hill House for this. Right. Not heard of it. So tell me. So there is a very famous and very influential book called The Haunting of Hill House that was adapted as an equally and possibly even more influential movie called The Haunting back in the 1960s. And that kind of set so many directorial moments for horror filming. Um, it's not kind of gore, it is all about just generally building up tension and terrifying you through small developments. And this is kind of the next iteration of it. So it's going back to the same book. It's all about a family that move into... This, is, this bit is in flashback. The family moves into a house. It's a fixer-upper. They're going to flip it once they've, they've repaired it. However, terrible things happen to it in there. It's haunted. 20 years later, the mother is dead. The father is estranged from everyone. The kids are not doing well psychologically, let's put it that way. And we don't know why, but we know it's something to do with whatever happened in that house. Except the trouble is, the one who is probably worst affected by that goes back to the house and suddenly things start kicking off in all their lives. And the thing about it is, it's again that accumulation of horror and tension it's not one of those thud thud bang kind of things. It's not, you know, it's not quiet things, and it's not a gore thing. It is, but it is. Um, over each episode, there's almost like a different style of horror. So there is one episode where it's you're just watching and everything's normal, and then you'll see things in the corner of the screen, and then, you know, like you'll you'll go back, and it's like, huh, why are those statues all looking at us now, and that kind of thing. And then there's a later episode, which is, there's about a 12, 20 minute single shot scene. It's all done without there being any cuts. And it's just the family standing around in a funeral home. And there's a coffin at the front of the funeral home. I won't say who's in it. And it's just playing and they're talking and the camera pans around as they move between rooms. And then the camera will pan around and you'll notice there's someone standing behind them all who wasn't there before. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's just like... Aah! So it is a downright terrifying thing. And there are, there are very interesting moments where you, do, you don't know what's going on at one point and then two episodes later you'll find out what was happening in that scene it'll go back to it and say well this is what this person was doing so that's why you saw that happen but at the same time there are aspects without spoiling it too much of time travel within it so that's happening because in two episodes time that person is going to do it and then go back in time. It sounds good that does that. Like, where can we find it? Where can we watch that? There is one season of that so far. It is free on Netflix. Um, it's a self-contained story. So the next season is going to be another adaptation of another classic ghost story just under the banner of The Haunting with some of the same cast members. So you can watch this. It's self-contained. Enjoy it as one story. Fantastic. Right. Now, we had to pick a virus pandemic type TV show. What, what can we watch? What's a good, good show? What we really need is an uplifting 
pandemic yes. show, I reckon. So The Last Ship is yeah. what I've plumped for. Um, so The Last Ship is, it was an adaptation of an 80s book, which was actually set after a nuclear war, but they said, actually, that's not quite as much fun as we'd like. So we're going to go for a pandemic instead. So there's a US naval destroyer. It's dispatched to the Arctic to do seemingly routine testing. But they're taking a, a, a scientist with them who is wanting to look at bird droppings in the Arctic for reasons best known to herself. So they're there for a few months and then suddenly for some reason they're being attacked by Russian helicopters. And it's like, what's going on? They contact home and it turns out there's been a global pandemic and 60% of the world has been infected, governments have broken down, everyone's dying. And it turns out the scientist has in fact been investigating to see if she can find out the source of this virus and she reckons she can now make a cure. So this is the setup. You have a ship, a nice US naval ship, with the one person who can cure the virus. Naturally, the rest of the world wants to have this. So it's a, in many ways, it's a stroke of genius. It's executive produced by Michael Bay, who is best known for the travesty of the Transformers movies. Yes. Um, but he is a big hardware nut. And what they basically worked out with the last ship is naval warfare is something you cannot have unless you're at war there is literally no and once you have countries of certain size shooting at one another it's not going to go well so the only way you can actually have what all the wonderful things that may happen in a naval battle is to have the end of the world so it's basically this excuse to have naval warfare using all the things available in naval warfare in modern ships in the first episode alone, you have helicopter, helicopter battles, you have gunfights, you have nuclear weapons strikes. Yes. Um, I know France, it, France got, got, got to, to, uh, taken out, didn't it, I think? The Paris yeah, was... Yeah. Oh. Ru- the, the, yeah. Ru- there's a Russian ship yeah. you know, the, the, that's formed that basically to make an example, so don't you even think about going in that direction, he nukes Paris. Yeah. Um, but each season then has a different kind of naval warfare. Season two uh, is all about submarine versus ship warfare. And I think it's kind of, there, there's one episode called Achilles, which is kind of illustrative of the series as a whole, in that the series never really stands still. It always thinks, you know, you, you're going to get bored quickly. If we spend an entire season going, and then at the end of it, we haven't got a cure. No, I've got to think about it. If we do that for an entire season, you're going to give up. We're not going to string this out. We are going to make sure there are plot developments. And so Achilles is the ultimate kind of bottle, ship in a bottle, in a sense. It shows you exactly what the last ship is. So most ships and the submarine battles that you see on TV and in the movies, it's just people sitting around going, let's be really, really quiet. Let's be quiet or else the submarine will hear us. And everyone on the submarine is going, we need to be really, really quiet or else (laughs) the ship is going to hear us. And they sit around, they tread around. And that's kind of how it goes for about half the episode. And then about halfway through, it says, someone just says, why don't we just shoot at them? You know, so, so then it's like, well, this is what hot war looks like. You've had Cold War. You know what Cold War looks like. Let's do hot war. So then it's submarines fighting, shooting at ships, ships shooting at submarines, all the things that can be done there. And it's all really exciting. And then you think, okay, that's fine. Oh, that was really exciting. I can have a rest now. And then it's like, ha ha ha, you're bored, aren't you? We've stopped, we've stopped this thing. We've got to do something new. Right, how about if we launch intercontinental ballistic missiles? Yay! (laughs) So it's always moving, it's always progressing. Where where can we watch The the Last Ship? 
The Last Ship is available on Amazon Prime. Four seasons of it are free, and the fifth season, I'm afraid, you've got to pay for. Brilliant. Fantastic. Rob, I really appreciate your time and all your choices. I've got a lot to watch. And um, Where can we find you? On Where's all your tags, your website, your bits and pieces? Uh, my website is The Medium Is Not Enough. Um, you can type that in. It's all got hyphens in, or you can go to tmine.tv so that's t-m-i-n-e dot tv fantastic brilliant rob thanks for your time appreciate it thank you thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode i'd love it if you could share it on social media as it really helps spread the word of the podcast you can find all the links and things at lockdownland.com if you really enjoyed the episode you can buy me a coffee by clicking the link at the top of the website that's lockdownland.com thanks for listening